We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. This is, in fact, Saturday's episode. I say that because I am Jason Perrone, and you have listened to my voice now for three days in a row. So thanks for having me back on the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am fortunate this time to be joined by very exciting announcement to make for our Pack-A-Day audience. My colleague, newly of Cheesehead TV, Paul Brettel. Paul, welcome to the Cheesehead TV family. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really excited. Got my first couple of articles out this week. Um, I'll still be doing everything that I've been doing at Dairyland, but I'm thrilled to join the Cheesehead TV group and be writing for them. Yeah, and I can tell you, Al is very, Al Bracco, if you don't follow him, Jersey Al GBP, very selective about who he brings on board. I was not surprised at all that Paul joins the team, so it's very exciting to have him over at Cheesehead TV and and we can talk a little shop about that. But as we usually do day before the game, it's the injury update. Ahead of the Packers game against the Detroit Lions. Uh, Paul, I don't know about you. I'm really glad this game is still taking place early on Sunday. It's not going to be a night game. We get the game out of the way and then move on with the rest of our Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I'm always a fan of the noon games. I get, get anxious and the jitters waiting around all day, especially this last week, the Monday night game. Uh, just the extra waiting and the weight of the game and what it held against 
you know, the division rival Minnesota Vikings. So, yes, I am happy for a noon game. And hopefully, with a positive outcome, we can all kick back and watch the Seahawks and Niners play on Sunday night. And while it hurts to say it, root for those Seahawks. Uh, it's painful. I, I still, you know, I still get a little queasy every time I hear it, but I'm with you. Uh, and how much more fun are we going to have watching this game? I know this is not a Seahawks podcast, but how much more fun are we going to have watching this game knowing that uh, Money, Money Lynch is in the backfield for the Seahawks? As, as a football fan, I was thrilled with that signing. Uh, he's, you know, he's hilarious off the field, and he's really fun to watch on it. So I, I was a fan of that signing. Yeah. Well, I am too because Marshawn Lynch just seems to live to wreck the hopes and dreams of somebody on every given day. Uh, I know a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, he ended up wrecking his own fan base's hearts. Uh, I think that might have been more the head coach um, trusting Russell Wilson. <laughs> To throw in that spot, but uh, I still I still have images of Lynch in that game against the Saints in 2010, rumbling down the sideline. And you know the interesting thing is, is we talk about balls bouncing a certain way and seasons going a certain way and luck and all that kind of stuff. Imagine if the Saints do what they were supposed to do that day and beat the Seahawks because Seattle was, I think they were seven and nine, and yeah, they won that and they won the division. And if if New Orleans wins that game, then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it would have. I would have just changed the whole trajectory. I can't remember what all the seedings were and all that kind of stuff. But um, always fun to kind of look at it and and wonder what if. But the Packers won the Super Bowl that year, so I'm going to assume Marshawn Lynch late season heroics history repeats itself. We were talking before the show about the draft next year, which is way way too far ahead and too early. But uh, clearly, the Packers will be picking at 32nd. So. <laughs> They're going to have some strategery to figure out. So on the injury front, the list is long. Uh, we've got a long injury list of players that are on the injury report for the Packers. But there are only four guys that are actually statused. So starting with the from, from top to bottom here, Jake Kumaro is listed as questionable. He did not participate in Friday's practice. He has an illness. My assumption is that he'll probably be able to go by game time and when you look at the wide receiver group right now Jake Kumaro has not been lighting the world on fire but he blocked really well against the Vikings he's moved ahead of Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez Scantling on the depth chart so if Jake Kumaro can't go then obviously one of those other two guys are stepping up against the Lions this week Paul any concerns if for some reason Kumaro can't go and they have to rely on Allison or MVS um, you know, I'd, as always, I'd rather see Kumro get his snaps, and I'm hopeful since it's an illness he'll be ready to go. But, you know, against the Lions team, they're the worst team in the NFL in terms of passing yards per game given up. So even if he can't play, you know, MVS and Geronimo should still be able to take advantage of their matchups, and it really shouldn't, you know, change the, how the game goes or the outcome or anything like that. Yeah, the Lions secondary. Interesting thing is they traded away Quandry Diggs, who was one of their stud safeties. So they still have Darius Slay back there, but you know, it's becoming one of those situations. It's almost kind of like the Packers wide receiver group. You know, they have to have to get guys to overachieve in order to get the most out of them. And it just seems like the Lions secondary group might be in a similar situation there. Slay can't do it all by himself, and he's going to have his hands full with Devontae Adams uh, undoubtedly on Sunday. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'd be okay if if you know when we talked about this, the injury report this week is probably unique in in it for a couple reasons. First of all, it's the last game of the season, and you've gone through sixteen game or fifteen sixteen weeks, fifteen games of managing everything, and the Packers have had pretty light injuries. And you're staring at an opportunity, a really good opportunity here, a game you should win, and you're looking at another week off afterwards. So perhaps some of these guys are on there uh, just as precautions, as an ability to, to get them a couple weeks rest so that they're full, full go for the postseason. I mean, the Packers will be in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, just looking at a couple of the, the other names here, there's three players listed as doubtful for Green Bay. Safety Will Redman with a hamstring. Fullback Danny Vitale with a knee. And Jamal Williams is still nursing that shoulder injury. He did not come back into the Vikings game Monday night, so they are all three. All three of those are listed as doubtful. We will not. We will not see either of those three, um, assuming that doubtful is what it is is meaning. So, again, we chatted about it a little bit beforehand. Vitali is you know he's an important part of the offense if you think about the the formations that require a fullback. Jamal Williams is a good complementary guy to Aaron Jones, but. You know, Aaron Jones didn't really seem to need a whole lot of help against the Vikings on Monday night. So, I mean, my concern level with all those three sitting out right this week because of the opponent is low. I don't know if you feel differently. No, I don't. I'm not concerned. I mean, the Packers should be able to take care of this Lions team, you know, even without Vitaly and Williams in the backfield. But it does raise kind of an interesting question. How are the Packers going to handle that? I'm sure we'll get a lot of Aaron Jones, but... Even as good as he's been this season, they've limited his snap count. I think he's only taken 59% of the offensive snaps this season. And, you know, for any running back, they're going to need a second back to rely on. So who's that going to be? Dexter Williams comes to mind. And you also mentioned Tyler Irvin, who I think is going to be the 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 second fiddle to Aaron Jones. We saw him last week get, get a little bit of action on offense. And from the preseason, we know that, they just don't fully trust Dexter Williams yet. So while he may be active on game day, uh, I think Tyler Irvin's going to be the number two back. Yeah, I have to hope so. And when we get into some more game chat, I have some thoughts on on Dexter Williams being active and playing um, this season. If we flip it real quick over to the Lions side of the equation, the Lions have, um, have a few guys listed on their report as well. Uh, already ruled out is defensive tackle Sean Robinson. Robinson's a starter. He has a shoulder injury, so that's a big, big thing missing in the middle there, Paul. And the big thing there is our is goes back to our our guy Aaron Jones. You know, when you've got a big body that's missing in the middle, there could be some opportunities for Jones there in between the tackles, which is not where he typically tends to do his damage. But I have to say, if we can just real quickly talk about the Minnesota game the job that the Packers offensive line did. And I was specifically, when I went back and watched it, I just watched them block, especially on misdirection and together. And man, that group works together very well. I've got, I've got high hopes that they can get Aaron Jones loose this weekend. And you mentioned before the show, um, Aaron Jones has a little something extra to run for this weekend. Yeah, the offensive line did a tremendous job uh, before the Vi- before the Monday night game between the Packers and Vikings. Donnell Hunter and Everson Griffin had 21 and a half sacks and 147 total pressures, I believe. And for reference, 
Zadarius and Preston before that game had 21 and a half and 129 total pressures. So they are on the similar level of production that those two are. And think of how dominant they've been. The offensive line did a fantastic job of eliminating from eliminating them from that game uh, as far as pressure on Rodgers. And then Aaron Jones, we saw what he did. Um you know, tearing that Vikings defense up, especially in the second half, which was exciting to see. And he should be able to do the same again. You know, I mentioned how the Lions secondary has struggled. They've struggled in run defense as well. They're giving up 115 yards per game. Uh, They're giving up almost 27 points per game, which is the seventh most, I believe, in football this season. So this should be a game for the offense that they can get out to that early lead. And I'm hoping from a passing perspective, the Packers have been inconsistent this season. They've been up and downs. They've had been able to string drives together, quarters together, but then they've kind of dipped off a little in terms of production. But I'm hoping this week we can see a big game from Rodgers and Devontae, Lazard, and everyone else involved. And then Darren Jones, as you mentioned, he is at 984 rushing yards this season, just needs 16 more to break 1,000. And then Devontae's at 904 receiving yards. So he's got a little bit more work to do to get to that 1,000 mark. Uh but very much in reach, especially against the secondary. And considering he missed four games this season, very impressive. Oh, simple double move. Simple double move from, uh, you know, the 20. You got an 80-yard touchdown right there. And then from there, you just kind of, you know, dink and dunk your way through. Yep. Hey, now listen, if, if, if Rodgers is going to target Adam 16 times again on Sunday against the Lions, then he's probably going to get his, ninety what, 95 yards. Mm-hmm. So that's that's uh, something to keep an eye on. That's cool that those guys have an opportunity to to do that. And and the other thing, Aaron Jones, the the touchdown machine. Yeah, I I remember 2003 when Amon Green was just scoring touchdown after touchdown. And to think that there's another running back in Green Bay that that could you know push that limit. I don't know if he'll get there, but that's that's still really impressive that they've gotten that kind of production from the run game. This this has just been an amazing season for. Matt LaFleur, his offense, and everything else. So, I mean, I hope when the awards start pouring out, I hope I hope that Matt LaFleur gets a look for Coach of the Year because of what he's been able to do, you know, in his, in his first season there, all things considered, and the way that, that the Packers have just ground, grinded through their schedule. Yeah, 100%. I think he's very deserving. Um, you know, a big thing last year was how predictable the Packers' offense was. They led the league in pass percentage. This year they've been around the middle, 15th, 16th, 17th, and percentage of how many times they pass the ball. And Matt LaFleur has done a very good job of getting Aaron Jones and both Jamal Williams involved in the offense. And, I mean, from I know Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, but from missing the playoffs two straight years to 12-3 and three in your first season, that's impressive yeah oh it definitely is definitely is I mean if you look around the rest of the injury report so there's there's five guys questionable for Detroit which could also mean that they're probable and that's questionable is the only opportunity and I think three of them look like they will because all these three were full participants in Friday practice uh Devin Kennard the linebacker um Steve Longo the linebacker and then Tavon Wilson at safety ball fully participated in Friday's practice, so chances are they will go. Uh, the only other, um, well, the two other questionables are Rick Wagner at tackle, and then my buddy, my friend, <laughs> my pal, my compadre. Kicker Matt Prater is listed as uh, limited and questionable with an illness, and of course that illness probably relates to some of what he may have consumed 
last night in abundance. That's all I will say. (laughs) But if he can't go, then at least we don't have to worry about Matt Prater throwing any touchdown passes this year, which would be fantastic. Yeah, God, talk about how discouraging that was last year. <laughs> it was Season's just, I mean, over, out of... <laughs> well, so do you, I mean, think back to, we, we knew the season was over, but just watching that game, what are you thinking as a fan? Obviously, we know what happened this year, and they turned it around pretty quickly, but Aaron Rodgers is bounced from the game with a concussion. The Packers don't score any points. They get shut out at home. The opposing kicker's throwing a touchdown pass, and the special teams coach is just standing on the sidelines, staring off into space. What is going through your head? Uh, nothing good. You know, <laughs> obviously it was a discouraging season. Um, and honestly, it was just one of those games that you're just ready to be over with, and you hope that no one else gets hurt. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. It was absolutely rough. In fact, in order to illustrate my feelings and thoughts on this matter, I've uh, asked the local Scottsdale Police Department, uh, Fire Department, to come on by with their sirens blaring because that was basically the extent of last season. About a year ago at this time, the sirens were sounding loudly. So Matt Prater will kick. He's you know he's got an illness. So that's your that's your Lions update there. So Ashawn Robinson's really the only player that's out. That's going to make a difference in terms of injury status unless something comes up that we don't know about between now and game time. So, you know, those are the injury lists for both teams. My thought is, at this point, the Packers need to win this game, and then they need a little bit of help to get the one seed. But they're, if they win the game, they're at least the, the number two seed. They're going to get a week off, and they're going to host a divisional playoff game at Lambeau Field. So, in order to make this thing work the way I think they ideally want to, Paul. We talked about it at the beginning of the show before before we started. Packers have to come out strong out of the gate. And I think the goal is, you know, if they can get themselves up three possessions coming into the second half, they can start to sit guys and rest them. Devontae Adams, maybe even Aaron Rodgers. You know, if the Packers are just shutting down the Lions offense and David Blau at quarterback... You know, you're confident in what they can do. You put Boyle out there and just let him finish out the game. You get him some experience. You start shutting down guys. Then you almost get a little bit of extra, an extra break because then they're going to have a full week off after that. That's that's my thought. This can't be a week where they come out clunking around and, and the offense just can't get it together. And, you know, like last week was obviously a disastrous start for the Packers. Three turnovers. Did those all happen in the first quarter? Or did one of them happen in the second quarter? I think uh, I believe Devontae's fumbles in the second quarter. But it's just you can't do. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get away with that. You know, to get away with that against the Vikings in their building was mm-hmm. shocking. If you would have told either one of us before the game started, yeah. hey, the Packers are gonna turn this thing over three times before half, I'd have been like, they're gonna lose this game forty-two to ten, and that they ended up winning is just incredible. It was a, it was a great effort by by the Packers to defensively to keep Minnesota's offense off the field. But agree, obviously, they have to start fast, and, and this is a week where they've got to get it going and get into the end zone fast and quick. And I, I want to see a more aggressive approach uh, from the offense, even if they have to go hurry up to just try to keep Detroit on their heels and, and wear them out a little bit, because you kind of do want to coast into the end, I, I would have to think, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. You want they, 
want to get out quick, score, take the lead, and sit guys in the second half when they can. Obviously, just given the magnitude of the game with a first-round bye at stake, they don't want this to come down to the wire for that reason. But also, if you have the opportunity to sit guys and get them off the field without any injury possibility, that's a positive as well. And like I alluded to earlier, this is a very, very good defense to be playing for that to hopefully take place. Uh, they're struggled in the passing game, struggled in the run game, and I'm kind of imagining that this game is going to go much like it did last season when the Lions beat up on the Packers at Lambeau in that final game that we had just talked about. The Lions controlled the game, uh, won by multiple scores. So this year I'm kind of expecting the opposite of that. The Packers have a lot to play for. Lions season's over. Guys might be looking ahead to the offseason. Um so that's kind of where my thoughts are and how the game hopefully goes and how it should go, honestly. God, I hope that's true. I want all the Detroit Lions looking ahead to the offseason. In fact, I will help them make their tea times and book <laughs> their flights and their yachts and their hotels and resorts uh, if they need any assistance with that at all in exchange for their most lackadaisical effort on Sunday. Uh, I would I would I would not be opposed to that at all. No, I think the I think that you know a lot of that comes down to coaching and culture. And these guys know what's in front of them. It's a, it's a kind of a, a little thing, but watching them walk in before the pregame on the ESPN, you know, um, the pregame show against the Vikings, not one of those guys was smiling. Mm-hmm. They all had a mission in mind. They all had, you know, a, an idea of what they wanted to accomplish. Now they got fortunate that they didn't have to overcome uh, what typically happens when you turn it over that many times. But this team knows that they can't sleep on a divisional opponent, but they can. Teams will fold up. This Detroit Lion team, you you get up twenty one nothing on the Lions, it's mm-hmm. over, it's over. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're not they're not putting up. They're not coming back on that. And and Aaron Rodgers and frankly the, the Packers, you know enough's enough. You know they should be pissed off. The last two years they played like garbage in that building. Last year Mason Crosby missed five kicks. He missed four field goals and an extra point. It was his worst game as a pro. The Packers could have still, you know, they, they would have won if he just made those kicks and he, and they didn't. The year prior, I think they were there in week 17 when they'd been eliminated and Aaron Rodgers sat. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was, there was nothing to play for then. It's, you know, the last time they played a meaningful game there was in 2016 when they clinched the division. And they played, mm-hmm. you know, they played lights out and they played a great game and they won going away. And then they went to the playoffs and and took it all the way to the NFC Championship game. So it's it's got to be a, a quick and quick effort and a, and a swift effort for them to to get a big lead, and hopefully they can get it done. I talked about the leadership, and obviously, you know, one of the guys that's got to be ringing the bell and saying, "Hey, we got to get this done. We have a huge opportunity in front of us." Is the quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who you know statistically didn't have one of his best games against the Vikings. He said in his press game or his pressers this week, he thought it was one of his better games. And there's always the mental part of it in terms of making checks at the line and picking throws. And, you know, he missed a couple. That interception that he threw uh, early in the game, Paul, that was the first legitimate interception that I think Aaron Rodgers might have thrown in the last two seasons. Yeah, where it didn't go off of a Or didn't get tipped, hands. yeah. I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it had been a long time since he'd actually thrown one of those. So, I, I, real quick, I mean, just a real quick snippet, because I was trying to remember if you and I talked about this or not. With regards to what you see from Aaron Rodgers and is he declining, and by the word decline, I don't mean is he washed, because that's not true. He's not washed. But in my mind, I do think that as you you get older as an athlete, it's kind of like what I've related to or what I've kind of 
compared in a way to driving a car. When you get a little bit older, you don't necessarily turn in front of the oncoming traffic to make that left with the small gaps like you used to. You know, there's just certain things that you don't have the quick twitch. You don't trust your instinct. You know, you don't you don't know if you can move as quickly. And I think it, between his feet and his eyes, I think Aaron Rodgers is really working through that part of his career where he's like, man, I, in my mind, I know I can take off and get to the edge and get that first down, but can I actually get there? Do you see any of that happening? Or do you think that he's fine? And a lot of this might just have to do with learning a new offense. And maybe next year we see a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, I think that could be part of it. I think there's, you know, we've seen him, you know, try to extend the play when he has a, receiver potentially open this season he's missed you know especially against the vikings in that first half there were some throws that were off target but i think overall he's just being asked to do something different uh under the floor than what he was under mccarthy i mean when they jump out to those early leads you know he's looking more for those checkdowns and like he said his stats aren't going to be he doesn't need to throw 40 touchdowns as he earlier this week so I think it's a combination of learning uh, the new offense and then just being asked to do different things has been a big reason for the down uh, his numbers not being you know what we're used to and also when I say what we're used to the numbers that he's put up over his career have been ridiculous I mean it's a it's a really really high standard and I know he holds himself to that regardless uh, but he's still playing well this season of course, yeah. And you put you you take Aaron, you know, there there's there's maybe three, four quarterbacks in the NFL that you would consider playing over Aaron Rodgers if you had one game to win it all. So he's still obviously your guy. But he's realizing I think what he needs to do in terms of, of taking some of the shorter stuff and it's just really interesting watching him throw some of these short passes, you know, like the screen the dump off. He is phenomenal down the field. He is fantastic outside the numbers where it's a little bit riskier, but you get these higher percentage throws and Rogers sometimes struggles with the swing pass and the dump offs and, and some of those things. It's, it's uh, you know, he kind of threw one a little bit behind Aaron Jones that Jones could have caught. And then they, they ended up, I think that was a, a, either a second or third down and they ended up having a punt on that drive. And then of course, at the end of the first half, the throw to Devonte Adams, which I, you know, frankly, Adams probably could have caught. He probably should have caught. And if we're grading on a curve, Devontae Adams needs to make that catch, but Aaron Rodgers, yep. you know, if we're grading on a curve, if we're grading the throw on a curve, Aaron Rodgers needs to put that a little bit more to the outside. So when you see stuff like that, you know, is, I guess it, it goes along with my last question of, you know, did that, did that concern you that, that he made that throw where, you know, there wasn't a ton of pressure. I think they were trying to get the throw off quickly. You know, I, I don't know if, if you see that and you say, okay, there's a sign of maybe something's going on or if it's just, look, it's just one throw. Um, obviously, yeah, I'd like him to complete the throw, and there were a couple last week, like I said, especially in that first half that stood out. But uh, concerned is concerned's not the word or where I'm at with it. I think it's just, you know, it was just a poor throw, and in the second half we saw him make a number of better ones as they helped put the game away. Um, like I said, the season hasn't been up to his normal lofty standards, but still been very solid. And no, I'm not, I'm not concerned at this point. Okay. And I don't think I am either. I, I just, you know, you want Rodgers to play within himself, mm-hmm. you know, and know what he can do and what he can't do. And I think, I think that he will, like I said, you, you're, you're not pitting, putting very many quarterbacks in this league 
ahead of him at this point right now. Um, and if we have the fortune of, of watching some of those guys play against him, it probably means that he made it to a conference championship game or even better, maybe a Super Bowl against that team that's averaging like 200 rushing yards a game is what I'm thinking. Might be kind of a fun one mm-hmm. to watch. You know what I mean? Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe we get Rodgers versus Mahomes just later in the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. And just going back to the last question, I don't, like you said, He's asked to do different things. He's at a different point in his career. I don't know how much of we're going to see the Aaron Rodgers, you know, from 2014 and 13, or even the run the table stretch anymore. We'll see it in spurts, but are we going to see it for 16 games? I guess I'm not sure about that aspect of it. But Gudikins knew that. You know, they needed to build around him because even when he was playing at that level, it's not like they were going to the Super Bowl every year. He needed help. You know, they brought in Matt LaFleur, who utilizes the running backs. Uh, obviously, the Smiths, Amos on the back, and just all these offseason additions have gone into taking the burden off of his shoulders, and that's what we've seen this season. Like he said, he doesn't have to go out and throw all those touchdowns and rack up all those yards. Do we want him to? Of course. Um, and like I said, there's been throws and misses here and there, but he has a team around him now that he doesn't have to be that guy. Well, if you put some prime talent around him and all of a sudden it is the laser light show all over again, (laughs) then we look back to this season and we say, okay, maybe there's some credence to the supporting cast around him. You look at the receivers that he has. Geronimo Allison has regressed. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has regressed. EQ's not on the field because he's injured. Mm -hmm. Jake Kumaro isn't running by anybody. He's mm-hmm. more swift with his feet, but he's not running by anybody. And Alan Lazard is learning. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you you put some prime talent around Rodgers and it's the same thing, then there's a debate whether it's the offense or or he just isn't that guy anymore. But he can still he can still play well, and his prep is there. And you know, the chip on the shoulder and the competitive nature of Aaron Rodgers. I can tell you one thing: as Packers fans, you should be glad that he has that because. Mm-hmm. The one thing I can guarantee you that Aaron Rodgers wants to do before he retires is get that second ring because Favre couldn't do it. And it's not Rodgers versus Favre anymore, and they've reconciled and all of that stuff. That's a, But I'm telling you right now, Aaron Rodgers wants that second ring in the worst way. And mm-hmm. we should all be glad that he does. So right before we came on, Paul, a little bit of news about Aaron Rodgers and I think you wrote up you wrote this up uh, for Dairyland Express with regards to some money movement in his contract so I will let you kind of break that down for everybody and kind of what the team did with his current contract yeah so with all the offseason moves that they made last year Zadarius Preston Amos and Billy Turner they were going to take up about almost 48 million dollars in cap space in 2020 and according to Over the Cap, where they break down, you know, everyone's salary, cap room projections, and all that kind of stuff, they had the Packers at $17.8 million in cap space for next season. Well, what the Packers did is they converted 14 and a quarter million of Aaron Rodgers' 2020 roster bonus, which was supposed to be 19 and, 19 and a half. So they took a majority of it and converted that over to a signing bonus. So what that does is it creates. 11.4 million in cap space 
So that coupled with the 17.8, and they're around 30 million now in cap space available that they have to spend, which is a really good thing because they have some big free agents pending. We talked about Brian Bulaga, pending free agent. Mason Crosby's a pending free agent. Uh, Blake Martinez, you know, I know throughout the Packer fan base, there's mixed feelings on him, but even if they let him walk, they need to find his, you know, who's going to come in next. So likely have to pay someone if they're not going to utilize a draft. Even someone like Tremont Williams, I mean, he's been fantastic in the slot this year. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him as a top 15 cover corner this year. So there's those guys. There's the Kenny Clark extension. Uh, David Bakhtiari's contract's up after next year. So is Corey Lindsley's. I mean, there's just a bunch of contract extensions, pending free agents. So this was a this was awesome news to hear, in my opinion. It gives up gives them extra money to spend this offseason, which is going to be very much needed. Yeah, they're going to have to be smart about where they spend that money. We talked about Blake Martinez. What's the what's your ceiling for Blake Martinez's contract if they're going to give him one and some of these other guys? And I think some of the decisions that they're going to have to make might be made for them based on those guys that are coming up due. Because at this point, I want Corey Lindsley back. I definitely want David Bakhtiari back. I mean, those, those guys have to come back. And, you know, maybe what they do with someone like um, Crosby is maybe they, they, they let him know and they say, look, we're, we're not going to sign you right away. We want you back. But we do have to kind of check and see how we do this offseason, which is basically saying, look, if you, if you get a deal from somebody else and, and it's so fantastic that you have to do it and you can't walk away from it, we understand. But we, we hope to have you back. And then with Tremont, you would like to think a guy at that point in his career knows that he's not going to be breaking the bank. I mean, the Packers will pay him, but if they're going to bring him back, something may have gone a little bit awry because at this point I think Tremont's been good this season but I don't know if I want to test I don't know if I want to test it into another year with him you know some players just the bottom falls out real quickly mm-hmm. and he's got to be getting to the point where you know that's going to start to really manifest itself from one season to the to the next but that's actually a really cool stat cuz I didn't realize that he had been that effective this season and and to have a guy and that's where you want that savvy and I think he probably extended his career honestly Paul by playing all those years with Charles Woodson and learning how to prepare for games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, price comes down to everything. But if he, you know, if it's a one-year deal at a good price, I wouldn't mind having him back at all. Because, you know, for it seems like the Packers, at least to me, have made a lot of additions at the cornerback group. But, you know, going into the next offseason, him as a free agent, there's going to be a lot of unknowns. You know, he's a free agent. You know, what, what do they have in Josh Jackson? You know, Kadar Holman's still young. Um, so you're left with Jair and Kevin King. So, if, like you said, price is everything. And if it, as so is the term of the contract. But if it, given his age, if it's a one-year deal, you know, I'd be 100% fine with that. And then, not to get too far off subject, but some other ways that they can save money. Graham's cap hit next year is $11.6 million. His dead cap hit's three point six. So there's $8 million they can save. Lane, Tiller, Lane Taylor's do $5.5 million. His dead cap hits 1.3 million, so there's over four million you can save. So all of a sudden, at least for me, I'm a bit surprised because they could be looking at you know 35, 40 plus million in cap space for 2020. Well, I've got a couple of suggestions for how I think they might be able to spend <laughs> that money, but we'll save that for another show. I'm actually excited about doing that, and I've kind of committed to getting back into doing some more draft analysis and not being so out of the loop. I've kind of you know 
walked away from it the past few years and let the experts do their thing. But it is kind of fun to opine and look at all that stuff. So, you know, the last thing I'll say is I keep seeing some of these articles here. It's funny how the media tries to create a story around any matchup possible. This game seems like so it's so lopsided. In fact, the line right now is 12. The Packers are 12 and a half point favorites on the road at the, at Detroit. And we mentioned David Blau. But And we also mentioned how it would be really bad if the Packers brain farted and didn't somehow win this game. Well, David Blau, you may remember, was the Purdue quarterback last year when Purdue beat Ohio State. So he's no stranger yeah. to playing against a, a really good opponent and trying to pull a rabbit out of his hat. Uh, I'm going to go with maybe we should – uh, maybe we should let Blau know. Like, maybe we should make, make, let him think of the Packers more as like the Michigan Wolverines than the Ohio State Buckeyes. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, that <laughs> that might be the best case scenario. Yeah. And then also one other guy to keep your eyes on for Detroit is Kenny Galladay. They're on their third quarterback this year, and he's still putting up numbers. He's over 1,100 receiving yards, at 18 yards a catch, 11 receiving touchdowns. Um, doesn't matter who they're putting under center, he's producing. So he's someone to keep your eyes on and. Uh, Packer secondary, they did a King and Jair did a phenomenal, phenomenal job last week against Diggs and Thielen. So uh, they're up to the challenge, of course, but just someone to watch for on the Lions. And Marvin Jones has had some really good games against the Packers in the past, too. So you never know uh, what could be in store there. But I think the Packers know what's in front of them and, and not a good time to let the take the eye off the prize and let anything slip through the crack. So that's yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, all <laughs> all gas, all gas. No, you know what breaks. So, Paul, the next time you and I go, we will uh, obviously, I, it, it, if uh, in theory, we would be previewing a divisional round game. After the bye. After the bye, right? After the bye week. So you and I will actually have some football to talk about and an injury awesome. report to, uh, to go over. We're going to be confident about that. So, again, congrats on your addition to the Cheesehead TV family. You can find Paul's great work over at Dairyland Express as well. And, Paul, remind everybody what all the Twitter handles are. I can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle, B-R-E-T-L, all of our great work that everyone does at Cheesehead TV, and then at Dairyland Express. Fantastic. And I am at Jason Perone on Twitter, and you can also follow me on Facebook as well. So Packers, Lions, simple. Win, bye week, and they're on their way from that point. So as I say... There's only one thing left to do, Paul, and that is Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.